Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you'd like to support the ministries of Rancho Church as we advance the cause of Christ together, you may do so at rancho.tv slash giving. Enjoy. And we're all coping with this pandemic at home in our own unique ways. Here in California, we are under a safer at home mandate, which means stay at home unless you need to get out for essential services. And so we're kind of piling up in our homes. For us, we have six adults and uh, one teenager, and uh, it is a little bit tight, but we're each in our own rhythms and coping as best we can with the current situation and trying to enjoy it. Uh, For some of us, when this whole thing started, we thought, okay, great, we get to experience more family time. And so our vision of family time might look like this, right? Just, a, just happy and, and excited to be with each other and super cute. And then by day five, it might have looked a little bit more like this. Um, I know in our own house, we had a, a little uh, incident yesterday. My oldest daughter, who is a grown married woman, uh, told her uh, middle school sister to, to uh, smack her brother Tyler upside the head while he's uh, playing 2K video games. And so, of course, you know, maybe things got a little bored. She thought, I'm going to do it. She goes over and gives him a little, a little sibling smack on the head. Well, uh, Tyler has a policy. You come back, you come at him, he's going to come back harder just to, as a deterrent for future um, attacks. And so he chased Aubrey around the house, uh, got her on the ground, taught her a little bit of a lesson. So she's a little disheveled, uh, laughing, of course. She stands up and the dog comes barreling from the outside into the sliding glass door, takes her legs out from under her and she falls hard on the tile floor. And so just little incidents like that, you know, day five gets a little chippy. Uh, We've got a lot of weeks to go here. So just try to make the most out of it. Try to have fun for sure. And, uh, And just be a wonderful family together as much as we possibly can during this time. Romans 12 has a great encouragement for us. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share and practice hospitality. I might encourage that Romans 12, 12 through 13 becomes the life passage of your family life. And uh, for, all, for us, we're doing okay. We've got some good rhythms. I've got a lot of work to do at home with the church and the school and the rescue mission. Uh, all of our uh, children either have uh, work or school from home. And uh, there are things we're doing to try to keep busy. And there's a lot of people doing things that might, they may not have done in the past, but this is a good opportunity. Maybe we have a few more you know, hours in our week to put our, our time and attention to things like exercising more or cleaning out the garage, organizing the garage. Maybe our garage can look you know, better than ever, uh, reading a little bit more. And I want to encourage you to, to paint a room. Paint is cheap. Hardware stores are open. Be careful out there. But uh, do something kind of fun and together and brighten up a room. I don't know. Get outside as much as you possibly can, keeping social distancing. Here in California, uh, we are experiencing uh, trauma with our weather. We've, we're having about 14 days of gray. I know for you in the Midwest and more northern regions, you're like, what? That's no big deal. For us, it's Armageddon. The, the coronavirus, okay, that's one thing, but 14 days of gray for us is an emergency. But uh, it's decent today. Get outside, take some walks, enjoy nature. Uh, me, I, I might grow a beard. I don't, what better time for a midlife crisis beard than now? You know, why, why not? Uh, I, I, I'm planning on looking like this on the other side of this pandemic. That's my plan. I'm going to look like that. Um, I'm going to have to, you know, start an iron smelting (laughs) operation in my garage. My wife is hoping I emerge look like that, but I'm probably going to actually emerge looking like this. (laughs) That's probably the direction we're heading. So uh, anyway, maintain social distance out there is important, and I'm just so happy that every generation is, is now taking that seriously to maintain social distance. I think this might be taking it just a little bit too far, maybe, 
That could be kind of fun, though. Cone of shame for, for uh, humans. That's great. And also try to maintain a, a good positive attitude as well. This is serious. People are experiencing some financial hardship for sure. Uh, the health risks are a little bit scary. But I also want us to understand, let's take this in perspective. I, I love this meme. Remember, parents and grandparents were called to war. Uh, you're being called to chill at home. You can handle this. Not to make light of the situation. It is serious. But maybe sometimes we can just kind of get a little heavy when it's a short-term reality. We will emerge. It might take some time to fully recover, but uh, let's, let's just have sober thinking about this time. We can handle it. We can do it. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about three stories that Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 15. These are called parables. Parables. Now, I'm going to give you a little warning about these parables, about these stories. I am going to take these verses out of context. I'm going to take these verses out of context. This is a warning for those of you who are kind of Bible scholars. The first part of this message is going to be a little bit out of its original context. But God says it's okay to take verses out of context if you give a disclaimer. So there you go. Trust me, he says that I'm a pastor. I know what I'm talking about. But I promise by the end of this message, we will see the context of these three parables and really enjoy the heart of God through that. So parables are an ancient Near Eastern way of, of speaking, of teaching. And it's hard for us Westerners to understand really what a parable is. We try and we kind of fumble through it. We try to probably read too much into it. But from the Near Eastern perspective, during the time of Jesus, these were called mashals. And the mashal is a distinctively Near Eastern method of teaching. Through a presumably fictional story, the teacher makes a single simple point and compels the listener to change their minds or make a decision. To change their minds or make a decision. Now, Westerners kind of tend to get into the little nitty-gritty, the details of the parables, and try to bring meaning out of every phrase. That's really not the way they're intended. They're, they're meant to be a relevant story that people understand. So when the story is told, they're nodding their head. Yeah, I can relate to that. It's kind of simple everyday life. Then there's some zinger at the end that, that teaches us something profound about life to cause us to believe something different or to do something different. So first, let's take a look at these relatable stories from Luke chapter 15, when Jesus talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now, as he goes through these stories, we see a pattern emerge. The first pattern is that loss equals fear. Loss equals fear. You'll see that in every one of these stories, but it doesn't end there. Every one of these stories makes a turn. So the loss and the fear is replaced with recovery and celebration. Recovery and celebration. And, and these stories are relevant today, right now, because we are going through the loss and the fear stage of this current crisis. So these stories we'll be able to, to relate with, even if it's in a different context. So let's look at these three stories from Luke chapter 15. First, there's the lost sheep. A man had a hundred sheep, and one of them was lost. He left the 99 others in the wilderness and searched for the one. Now, in ancient times, sheep would have been livelihood, our jobs, our careers, right? Uh, sheep weren't just cute little pets. This was their living. So when, when one of these sheep that you rely on to provide for your family disappears, you've got to go find it. It's desperation time because you are losing your livelihood. And so for us today, many people are experiencing that kind of loss and that kind of fear. 
Maybe your hours have, have been cut out. Maybe your position has been eliminated and you're thankful for some government aid that's coming and you're thankful for local rescue missions like, like Community Mission of Hope and, and friends and family to, to meet that need. There's so much support going on right now, but there's still that fear that I'm losing my livelihood. Is my job going to come back? Are my hours going to be restored? We can relate to the lost sheep. How about the lost coin? Luke 15, eight. A woman had 10 silver coins and lost one. So she lit a lamp and frantically swept the entire house to search carefully. And some of us can relate to this as well. We've lost some of that provision. And for her, it was 10%. She lost 10% of her provision. And so for some of us, we might have this fear and this worry and this franticness that she was experiencing that, that am I going to get this provision back? Am I going to get these resources? Is there going to be enough food? Is there going to be enough toilet paper, right? These are the provisions that are lost, and it creates a scramble. We can relate to that. And then there's the lost son, Luke 15, 12. The younger of two sons told his father, I want my share of your estate now. His father agreed and his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living. And the son, of course, is family. And this is loss in our own household. And for some of us, we're experiencing that even now. This pandemic, this global crisis is probably bringing awareness to where we have lost in our own family. Some of you are longing to, to connect with someone you have lost, someone who has passed away and there's a hole in your heart. Maybe there are relationships in your marriage or with your kids that are just a struggle. And, and now that you've got more time together, some of those struggles are becoming heightened, right? And maybe there's an estranged relationship where you haven't talked to a parent or a child uh, for a very long time because of some bitterness or some, some past offense and you're feeling that loss at home, these are three stories we can relate with. They're powerful stories that mean everything right now, stories of loss and fear. But in all of these stories, loss and fear is followed by recovery and celebration. Loss and fear is followed by recovery and celebration. And this is the good news of God's word. This is the good news of God's nature, that, that God is not a God of loss and fear, that God's actually a God of recovery. There's loss and fear in life. What did Jesus say uh, last week? We talked about this promise that in this world you will have trouble. Well, welcome to it. This is the promise of God. This world is broken. Uh, this world is lost. And, and in this world there is trouble. But God's work is is about the recovery and the celebration that comes out of the loss and comes out of the fear. And so in these three stories, Jesus highlights God's heart for recovery and celebration. How about the lost sheep? Luke 15, five. When the shepherd found the sheep, he joyfully carried it home on his shoulders and called his friends and neighbors to celebrate, saying, I found my lost sheep. Now this celebration is coming, right? This celebration is coming. We're going to get our hours back at some point. Uh, we're gonna get our jobs back at some point. That recovery will come. And when it comes, you're gonna celebrate. You're gonna text your friends and family. You're gonna call people and you're gonna say, I got my job back, I'm celebrating, right? We're looking forward to that cycle of celebration, that cycle of recovery, coming out of the loss and coming out of the fear. How about the lost coin? Luke 15, nine. When she found her coin, she called her friends and neighbors and said, celebrate with me because I found my lost coin. There's a celebration. Her provision is back. My toilet paper is back. I don't know. We can relate to this idea that the fear and loss is going to be replaced by recovery and celebration. And then you remember the lost son? Here's an interesting fact about Luke chapter 15. Jesus spends three verses on the lost sheep, two verses on the lost coin, 21 verses on the lost son. Why? 
because people matter the most. Family matters the most. Luke 15, 22. When the son came home, the father said, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now is returned to life. He was lost, but now he was found. Get this. So the party began. The party began. Families will be better connected through this. If we practice that patience and hospitality that Romans 12 talked about, if we practice that forgiving of one another and making apologies quickly, if we really do the hard work, and sometimes it is hard work of patiently bearing with one another, believing the best in one another, celebrating each other, kind of putting up with, or as the Bible says, bearing with when there might be disconnects and if somebody kind of offends us, we want to offend back and for us to not do that. This is a time for us to be at our best at home. And when we're at our best at home, this recovery and the celebration can happen. This recovery and the celebration can happen. And we look forward to that day when families will be restored like never before. Loss and fear will turn to recovery and celebration. Now let's get to the context of, of Jesus. In Jesus' time, he told these stories in a very specific context. And I want to share with you what that context was. Because if, if we understand the context of these three stories, we are going to know God's heart in powerful ways. What's the context? Luke 15, 1 through 2. There were tax collectors and notorious sinners. Tax collectors and notorious sinners. Tax collectors, during the time of Christ, worst of the worst. They were Jews hired by Rome to steal from Jews to pay Rome to invade the Jews. I mean, it cannot get any worse than that. They're the worst of the worst, the scum of the earth. The tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Now, I just want you to keep in your mind uh, uh, how religion labels notorious sinners and who those people might be. They flocked to Jesus. They loved hanging out with Jesus. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. He was a wide open door. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the law, these religious hypocritical elites, made the Pharisees and teachers of the law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And in many of your Bible translations, a sinner and sinful is in quotes because that's a label that religious people put on others. It's a label that's put on. It's a religious label that says, we are righteous, at least that's what we'll pretend, right? And we're gonna go out and we're gonna police other people's unrighteousness. And when we see unrighteousness, we're gonna stamp this label on you that you are a sinner. Those are the people that flocked to Jesus because Jesus was the heart of God. Church and religion sometimes isn't the heart of God, judging, labeling, condemning Jesus was the heart of God, and he was a wide open door. Come. If you are a, quote, notorious sinner, come, and, and I will befriend you, and I will be with you. Jesus loved lost people. And as he lived his life with them, he shared with them the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and said, let's walk together, not just receiving love, but giving love. We can live a better life of love. The only commandment Jesus left us with is to love God and love one another. And so not only did he bring grace to people who were notorious sinners and tax collectors, worst of the worst, but he walked with them toward a better life, a life of love. That's what Jesus did. He loved lost people. That's what he did with his life. When someone was down, Jesus lifted them up. When somebody was lonely, Jesus befriended them. 
When somebody was hungry, Jesus fed them. When somebody was sick, he cared for them. When somebody was rejected, he sought them out and accepted them. When somebody was labeled a sinner by religious elites, these hypocrites who judge other people for sport, Jesus hung out with them, he ate with them, he spent time in their homes, and he showed them the forgiving love of God. So I have a question this morning. Do you feel lost? Do you feel lost? Do you feel as though you've been condemned or you've been labeled? Maybe you grew up in a religious environment and all you heard was how bad you are. All you heard is what a sinner you are. All you heard is that God is good and you are not, so do better. If that's all you heard, I wanna let you know that you are not lost. Simply, as Jesus says, believe something different. That's the point of the parable. That's the point of the mashah, to believe something different. No longer believe you are lost. Believe you are found. Believe that you are recovered. Believe that there is a celebration of God for you when you realize that there is love and forgiveness and grace that comes from God to you through Jesus, and you don't have to do anything to, to, to take it. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. It's a free gift. Receive it. You don't have to do anything. That's the beauty of what we call the, the gospel. It's an old English word that means good news. This is the good news. Not that we need to be more religious for God or we need to be more obedient for God or we need to be more righteous for God or we need to get rid of our sin for God. God got rid of our sin through Jesus. Through Jesus. Jesus is the heart of God poured out for us and Jesus poured out love. Jesus poured out his own life on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. Sins are gone not because we get rid of them in our own life. Our sins are gone because Jesus got rid of them on the cross. That's the price he paid to bring forgiveness to the world. And when we receive that, that's when we have eternal life. When we believe that, that's when we have this joy and this pleasure. I'm forgiven in God through Jesus Christ, and there is nothing that separates me from him. Nothing separates you from God, nothing because of Jesus. And he walked out of the grave to let us know that this new life, this new celebration is not just for now, it is for eternity. It's a free gift of forgiveness and grace given to you. You don't have to do anything, but this mashal, these parables ask us to change our mind. Change our mind and, and, and so that we would know that we are no longer lost, but we have turned and see the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and all we see is his embrace. Here's the point of the parable in Luke 15, 7. This is the point of these parables. In the same way, there is great joy in heaven over one lost, quote, sinner who turns back to God and returns home. Isn't that beautiful? These parables show the heart of God and the heart of God is to celebrate when we believe in him, when we accept his forgiving grace, when we come back to God through Jesus Christ, there's an embrace from the heavenly father. I love you. I am celebrating with you. You now understand and you now believe that there's nothing that separates us. What a powerful thing. You might feel lost that you're one in a hundred that lost sheep. You might be feel lost that you're one in 10, the lost coin. You might feel lost that you're one of two. But whether you are one of 100 sheep, one of 10 coins, or one of two brothers, when you return to God only by grace, everything changes. And get this, Luke 15, 24, and the party begins. The party begins. 
To put it this way, you are the life of God's party. You are the life of God's party. Not because you got yourself all cleaned up, not because you got rid of sin in your life, not because you became religious, not because you've read your Bible and prayed more. You're the life of, of the party because you simply believe the love of God that he gave you through Jesus Christ. That's a celebration. The party began. The party began. And it's as simple as this, John 1, 12. To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. It is that simple. These three parables in Luke 15 are simply a call to change your mind. No longer believe you are lost. No longer believe you are separate from God. No longer carry this guilt and shame and weight from things you might have done in the past. Believe something new. Believe that through Jesus and through Jesus alone, everything that separated you from him is gone, wiped away. There's nothing between you and God. There's only love. There's only grace. There's only forgiveness. And he wants to pour that out in your life. Get peace from that. Get comfort from that. And then as you get peace and comfort from that new life and the love of God, we can share that with others, with our friends, with our neighbors, with, our strangers, with strangers around us. And that is where this new and eternal life will start to shine, even in the darkest times. Next week, we're going to detail what this party is, this celebration that began when lost people come home and believe in Christ. That life is a party. We're going to talk about that party next week. It's going to be uplifting and positive and optimistic, and we need all that stuff, especially in this hour. Uh, let's close in prayer. God, thank you for our time together. Thank you that we can celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, even though we're not here in person. We are here in spirit. We're here online. We're sharing life with each other. We're sharing our love for each other. We're sharing our prayer requests, our concerns. And God, you are here, you are with us. And you're with us and, and you give grace to us, not because we've earned it, but simply because we've believed it. And God, thank you that we can see this good news, this gospel, that Jesus wanted to, to tear open the, the kingdom of heaven and allow everyone in, not through religion, not through obedience, not through living a better life, but simply received and believed by grace alone through Christ alone. So God, through these parables, we believe something different. We believe something new. We're no longer lost. We're no longer separated. We are found. There's a recovery. There's a celebration. We are the life of your party. We are the life of the kingdom of heaven coming back to you and enjoying your grace. Help us to not only receive that grace, but give that grace to the world around us. And I pray that we would stay connected through the week with our children, with our youth, through classes, through midweek service, and that we would be rejoined again next week. In Christ's name we pray, amen.